Bring it in. Read option back and better than ever. Uh, solo pod today. Scotty's day drinking, watching uh, basketball. He's too good to come on and talk for an hour. So I'm just throwing shade. We love you, Scotty. Uh, and Vito's out once again, being the hardest working man in America. So you get a nice, short, condensed read option pod. Just me today. Uh, happy St. Patty's Day as I'm recording right now. That would have been yesterday for you guys. But hope everyone had fun, stayed safe, drank some green beer or whatever. I, I never really quite understood why people enjoyed doing that. But, um, you know, hey, people like to get weird. It is funny. My mom growing up would uh, it would always go out for the holiday, which was something that my grandmother did, which I just learned today, actually. Uh, and she would dye the toilet water green right so you'd wake up and go to the bathroom oh the leprechaun was here and then there'd be little sprinkled four leaf clovers around and you go down and the milk would be green and you know they would they would always do cute little things to make us think oh the leprechauns came by right which is um which is funny because it's not like we really got much out of it uh st patty's day feels like more of an adult holiday but uh hey you know as a kid you just kind of want to celebrate everything so uh shout out to all the irish i hope you guys had a wonderful uh, St. Patty's Day. Today's pod, I, like I said, it's going to be short. It's going to be sweet. Um, I got a monologue to open up about Baker Mayfield and the whole situation going on with him in Cleveland. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit on just some catching up on the NFL news outside of Baker because there's been some more moves, just some interesting things we'll touch on quickly. And then to wrap up the show, uh, I have some NBA thoughts. You know, while we still have major things come up like March Madness and like the Masters and other big, you know, sporting events that kind of pop up this time of year. We're going to sprinkle in um, some some stuff here and there about uh, the NBA until we really get to like, all right, final week, regular season. And then at that point, we'll pretty much just be full blown uh, NBA. Oh, and we're also going to hit on the NFL draft there uh, and just a couple of things from the most recent ESPN mock, mock draft. Uh, Todd McShay, who I think does as good of a job as as anybody in uh, in the industry when it comes to evaluating pro uh, prospects, and he's been doing it for a long time. So we're going to talk a little bit of that now with the caveat, of course, that he hit, did a lot of that it was last week. So a lot of the free agency stuff hasn't quite, wasn't really quite incorporated in that, but there's some players in some interesting spots. So that'll be our second segment. But like I said, we are going to open up here talking about Baker Mayfield and the entire situation and how it's gotten to this point of complete um, disarray, right? Baker Mayfield, 2017, first overall pick, wins the Heisman, takes Oklahoma to its cl the closest it's been to a national championship game uh, and the closest that Lincoln Riley ever got while at Oklahoma. It's easy to forget how electrifying Baker Mayfield was. And, and he could run the ball a little bit, but he was the perfect quarterback for that Lincoln Riley system. He's what put Lincoln Riley really to that next level after he transferred in from Texas Tech, which wasn't a great fit for Baker. Baker got a stigma in college, right? I think a lot of people think of when he grabbed his nuts when he was standing at, at midfield, or no, it wasn't that that was when he's on the sidelines at one point. He was kind of doing the little Marshawn Lynch, you know, hold these to to the Kansas guys across the field. And that's because, you know, they went out to shake the hands. Kansas guys stiffed them and Baker sitting there clapping, right? 
And we remember him planting the flag at Ohio State. We remember the cockiness and, and confidence in which he played the game and carried himself with, which to some, in, you know, endeared him to some, but turned him off to a lot of other people. I go back to the Joe Burrow, Ferris Bueller comp from a few weeks ago. There's not that much of a difference between Baker and Joe Burrow when you talk about the confidence level they walk around at. Now, Baker might have crossed the line a couple of times, but not dramatically. You know, I mean, how how less douchey is it to clap when an opponent's not going to shake your hands or try to plant a flag at midfield compared to Joe Burrow thinking he could go put up 15 points in an NBA game or or say things like he sees a picture of himself says that dude's going to win the Heisman, right? Like we're talking about very subtle differences here, but for whatever reason, we don't blame Joe Burrow or, or hate on Joe Burrow the same way. So whether we like it or not, we have an implicit bias against Baker Mayfield because of the guy he was in college, which in my estimation, I think is completely unfair. And Cleveland fans will tell you, no, we, we loved Baker when we got him and, and we, we rooted for him to go and, 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 now he's he's was bad last year and this is all off the this has nothing to do with off the field stuff it's strictly on the field stuff and and I never quite understood the frustration with Baker right because he's he's got gravitas towards him we got annoyed at the progressive commercials because he was popping up all the time and you're like oh another Baker commercial right oh man Baker's got to be playing better but what do we think he filmed those commercials in the off season, I had nothing to do, you know, but because we're seeing it and associating him in those commercials while he's on the field, not playing as well. Right. And it's all, oh, it's all getting off the field. We as a collective sports public, and, and I definitely have had moments of this where you think of Baker as kind of cocky and kind of arrogant and kind of a douche. I don't think that's fair of Baker at all. And, and I've been fortunate enough to know a lot of people who worked with Baker. And, and worked around Baker, I should say, covered him when he was in college, who worked for the Oklahoma you know, broadcast. And I've asked them about and They all say the same thing. Baker's a phenomenal kid. And I, believe me when I tell you, I've heard them shit on on players that weren't good kids. I, I know this is true because they're off the air conversations. I, and I've heard when they want to dump on a guy and I've heard how they do it. They loved Baker. Everybody at Oklahoma loved Baker. His leadership, his buy in, the energy he brought in. All of that stuff, people loved it. But a couple of things and a couple of spots in the media and this and that, and all of a sudden, Baker's got this weird reputation. And then Cleveland takes him number one overall. And remember, that was a surprise. It wasn't until the morning of the draft that Shefty started saying, hey, there's some rumblings here for real about Baker Mayfield going number one. Well, he ends up going number one. 2017, it was the 2018 draft. Baker Mayfield becomes the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. And within two years, they don't they not only win or make it to the playoffs, but they win a playoff game against arguably their most hated rival in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is two years in his first start, the overtime game against the Jets on Thursday night football. That game was electric. And I mentioned so many times throughout the pod on the pod throughout this season about why are Cleveland fans so freaking angry at Baker Mayfield. Why, why, how is half the fan base turned on Baker? Now half the fan base still likes Baker, but how is half the, he's, he tore the rotator cuff and his throwing shoulder twice in the same season. And you're going to use the argument to me that this is about on the field issues with Baker. 
That's bullshit. And I'm not going to sit here and say Baker Mayfield is, is Russell Wilson or, or is Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he is. But he's a damn good quarterback. And the Cleveland Browns were actually, for a brief moment, looked at as a saved organization because of this guy. Think about how many years and years we've spent shitting at the Cleveland Browns, the Deshaun Kaisers, the Case Keenums, the Brian, uh, the Brian Hoyers. Like, just go through the list. I don't have to go through the Seneca Wallaces and the Jeff Garcias and the guys who spent time there. We don't have to bring up Derek Anderson as the only freaking palatable quarterback that the Browns had for 20 years. I could, we could all do that. And we did do it for a long time, but Baker erased all of it to the point that coming into this season, a lot of people, myself included, thought the, ba- the Browns were a legitimate contender for a Super Bowl, or at least to get to the AFC championship game. They were the betting favorites to win the AFC North in a division with Lamar Jackson and Baker and, and, and Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh. And no one eventually knew what the Bengals were going to be, but now we know even now how much better that division was than even what we thought at the time. And you had a quarterback who gave everything he had on the field, was playing through so much pain. I would have to imagine. I can't imagine the Toral shots that they had to fucking put in his shoulder just so that he could throw the football. And you get half of these dumbasses in Cleveland Saying Baker Mayfield's not the guy. Baker Mayfield's not the guy. Look how bad he was this week. He's just playing with a quarter of an arm. You know, you tear your rotator cuff, John and Akron, and you tell me, John, how easy it is to lift up a freaking hammer, let alone throw a football in an NFL game. Hell, hammer, fucking pencil. And the the most wild thing about all of this is that Baker was so mature through this whole season, through the Odell Beckham stuff, through Jarvis Landry, through all the ups and downs of this year. Baker was a consummate professional. He took responsibility. He owned up to the fact that he wasn't playing well, even though he could have said so easily, yeah, you know what? I kind of tore my throwing arm. I mean, what are we what are we talking about, Cleveland? You just went through 20 years of dog shit. And this guy comes in and takes you to a level you guys would not have guessed in as short of amount of time as he did. Led you to the playoffs, led you to a playoff win. And then because you finally had expectations for once and they were unrealistic at that that now it's, you got to move on from this guy? He's not our answer. He's limited in what he can do. Last year, we don't know what Baker could have done because he wasn't 100%. So if you you discredit yourself as a, NF, as a football analyst, quote unquote, and I see a lot of these fake ones on Twitter, and hey, I'm not sitting here saying I'm some NFL QB and can tell you everything, but I also don't claim that I know everything. I know for a fact that we don't know how good Baker could have been last year. I know for a fact that there are people on Twitter who have a couple thousand followers and have a podcast and are telling you that Baker was trash. 
And they'd say, yeah, I know he was injured, but he was still really, really bad. Yeah, no fucking shit. If Tom Brady tore two, tore his rotator cuff twice, he wouldn't be good either. Same with Patrick Mahomes, same with Aaron Rodgers, same with every single quarterback. But you're using it as an argument because you don't think that Baker Mayfield's ceiling is as high as what it was when you drafted him. And so you're using this and his bad performances, even though he was hurt, to justify moving on from him and why you shouldn't pay him a contract. And I wouldn't make him the highest paid player, the second highest paid player, the third highest paid player. I probably wouldn't even give him Ryan Tannehill's contract. Or maybe that is the perfect number. But what's wild to me is Cleveland fans are so unused to any ounce of success that they get one playoff win, one tiny little playoff win, and all of a sudden, well, Baker Mayfield's not up to the Cleveland Brown way. He's, oh, he might get us to the playoffs and win a game, but is he going to win us a Super Bowl? Motherfucker, you don't know. And if you're using this past year, you discredit yourself of any, of any legitimate background. There's a word I'm thinking of and blanking on it right now. Credibility. You deprive yourself and you, you completely sell yourself out for having no idea what you're fucking talking about or for being a terrible fan. Because is Baker Mayfield going to be an MVP or a Hall of Famer? I don't know. Probably not. But if I'm the Washington football team, if I'm the Indianapolis Colts, if I'm one of these teams out there that's in contention, that, that has a good roster, and Cleveland was now willing to part themselves from Baker Mayfield to go after Deshaun Watson, which is the impetus of what this whole rant is about. Cleveland, you have a good quarterback who was hurt and played through injury. And you're using his bad performance while hurt to justify why the team should move on and try to go after Deshaun Watson, right? Well, guess what? Deshaun Watson wants no part of you, Cleveland. He wants no part of you. He doesn't want to go play for the fucking Cleveland Browns. And he told you that today. And after your organization did such a shit job of keeping this in-house and trying to protect the guy who just laid his fucking sword on the line for you for the last three years, played her, and won you a playoff game, you did such a bad job of hiding your bone bullshit that he asked for a trade. And Cleveland just said, no. No, we're not going to trade you, Baker. You're stuck here. I know we wanted somebody else, and I know you know we wanted somebody else. I know the entire sports world knows that we wanted somebody else, and we also know that half of our fan base wants you gone. And it's probably going to shit on you for the next year. But you're not allowed to leave. You're not allowed to get traded because you're too valuable of an asset, and that is the most fucked up part. And don't get me wrong. If you could have made a trade with Houston and it worked out and you could have gotten Deshaun Watson for Baker Mayfield, I actually get that trade and a fresh start on both sides after all of this, I wouldn't hate for either side. But you know what? Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play in Cleveland for a lot of reasons. And the fan base, I think, is quickly becoming one of them. Because if you're turning on that dude after the way he completely 
resurrected your franchise from the fucking laughing stock of sports, not just the NFL. The Cleveland Browns were the biggest laughing stock in fucking sports. And you're trying to drive out the one guy who's won you a playoff game, that one quarterback. Cleveland is the guy who's sad and lonely and says, nobody wants to be with me. He's gone on dates and they've all not worked out. But then, you know what? There's this one cute girl and it's great. And you, you know what? Is it perfect? No. Does she look like a supermodel? No. Does she make a million dollars? No. Is she a TikTok dancer out there wiggling? No, she's not. But she was a damn good girl. She was sweet. She treated you well and she was happy to be with you. And I know this is very con coward of me to do. But Cleveland, you had the cute girl. You had the cute girl who likes you, who wants to be with you. And because she's not a freaking supermodel, superstar, TikTok, oh my God, best of all time. You pissed her off. She caught you looking at girls on Instagram. She caught you on Tinder. Because you weren't satisfied with somebody who got you something that you had never had, which was an ounce of success. And the crazy thing is, this isn't repairable. Baker's not going to come back. And if you want him back because of how dumb your organization was and how dumb your fan base is, you're going to have to pay him the franchise tag and you're going to have to pay him close to $40 million guaranteed. And then you're fucked because that number is going to keep going up and he's going to win you games or you're going to let him walk for nothing. And that one, that one quarterback who actually did something for your franchise will become obsolete. And you'll be sitting there adding name after name to a jersey that has already been going on for 20 years. You're putting yourself right back where you were before you drafted Baker Mayfield. And you know what, Cleveland? You got no one else to blame but yourselves. All right, before we get into the NFL draft stuff, I do want to go through, again, just some of the news and notes that have come through. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, this has been a pretty down week um, for free agency week. I don't know if it's because of the, uh, you know, March Madness tournament or the golf. I, I don't know. It just was a very quiet week. Um, but we have seen some things happen, right? Most notably, we saw Von Miller sign a big contract to go to Buffalo, adding another pass rusher to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, that D-line is not only really talented, but he's crazy deep. It's a big contract, but the thing with NFL contracts is we, we really don't know the details, the specifics. We see the guaranteed money, and even sometimes the guaranteed money is not actually guaranteed money. It's only guaranteed if they stay on the roster past a certain date, right? So if it's, hey, $50 million guaranteed, but in the last year or the second to last year of that contract, you know, signed by March 1st, that money becomes guaranteed. You hear that all the time, right? So when we see these numbers and all, remember, when unless you hear guaranteed at signing, which means that the second they sign it, that 30 million, whatever it is, is automatically guaranteed. The guarantees aren't even as high as what you actually think. Um, so I didn't love the overall number, 
but I'm sure there's some flexibility there for the Bills. And again, we saw how vital he was for that run with the Rams. Uh, I think Buffalo is going to love Von Miller, and I think Von Miller is going to love Buffalo. I think it's a perfect marriage. Uh, and they're going to be able to keep him on a pretty good snap count, right? And by the time you get to the playoffs, he's going to be a big factor. So uh, love that for the Bills. The other one in the risk getting richer category was the team that just let Von Miller go. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams have signed Allen Robinson to a three-year, $45 million contract. It's $30 million guaranteed. Again, remember what I just told you. Uh, they still have money left over for Odell if he comes back, and they'll have Robert Woods coming off. So you're going to have Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, potentially Odell Beckham Jr., and Robert Woods. I don't understand how the Rams are doing this. Uh, they have a lot of talent, obviously, at the skill position, guys. Uh, Andrew Whitworth announced his retirement, so they're going to have a hole at left tackle. Maybe they end up drafting one. Uh, the Rams are just continually getting loaded, uh, losing, you know, Von Miller sucks, but there's depth in the draft at edge rusher. And I would imagine we'll see the Rams. Oh, the Rams don't even have their first round pick anyway. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see, but they still have Aaron Donald and the offense is that much more scary. Uh, Allen Robinson, was franchise tag last year. There are advanced numbers that tell you that he could be a top five wide receiver in football. And I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. Uh, he had the worst quarterback play over the last two years of any number one wide receiver. Um, his targets went down. Justin Fields, obviously still figuring out the ropes as a rookie, but Allen Robinson is a, it, it could be a, a, a legitimate game changer, especially considering we're probably not going to see Robert Woods until about week three maybe conservative you know on the earlier end i mean again with how acls and guys are coming back nowadays especially in the last couple of years you never fully know but alan robinson is uh is a really really good player um interesting story here and this is actually the second time we've seen it right so randy gregory there was announced by the cowboys that he was going to be re-signing with the cowboys well there was some language in the contract that he didn't end up wanting to go to Dallas afterwards after all. So he didn't sign it and instead signed with the Denver Broncos. Um, we talked about Zadarius Smith, not getting re-signed by green Bay, meaning he was hitting free agency. Well, a couple days ago said he was going to be signing with the Baltimore Ravens. Well, as our friend Lee Corso likes to say, not so fast. Uh, he will not be signing with the Baltimore Ravens, it said today, um, no specifics out yet, according to Schefter or any of the big guys there in um, in the ESPN world. But uh, maybe we'll hear something else. But again, really good pass rusher, outside linebacker type, depending on how much money. It was going to be a four-year, $35 million deal. Uh, maybe he got offered more money somewhere else, or maybe there was a scheme fit. I loved the move for Baltimore, and I thought Baltimore, who's already added some good pieces on defense this year, just continued to get better. Uh, but we'll we'll go on from there. Um, some smaller signings. I liked Hayden Hurst going to Cincinnati. Um, but those were kind of big. There was a, another interesting story. Uh, the Eagles released Fletcher Cox. Um, the reporting now is that they're doing this to renegotiate his contract to make it more team friendly, uh, but he's now a free agent. So there's no guarantee that's going to happen. It feels like it was a kind of predetermined thing from both parties, but if someone comes and banks the Brinks truck up for Fletcher Cox, who veteran interior guy can still be really productive. He played out of position most of last year under Jonathan Gannon. 
So I think there's a really good chance um, the Eagles do find a way to bring him back. But again, if you are a team like, I don't know, the LA Chargers, right? And you want to throw, hey, Fletch, come here for 10 mil. That, uh, he would go in and be fantastic for them immediately. Uh, and, and again, if I'm Fletch and I want to go win a Super Bowl, as much as I love him as an Eagles fan, I don't know how much of a hurry I would be to go back to Philly unless, again, this is all premeditated and they've already agreed on something, but I don't think we know that yet, at least not as of now. Um, so the other, I guess, big story here, you know, again, I can go through some smaller stuff and, and go through it. I mean, if you're interested, you obviously can go on and, and look at some of the, the – some of the – you know, ESPN has a tracker, Pro Football Focus has a tracker, right? All those guys have one. So you can go through and look at every single one, which for the record, I suggest that you do. Um, it's just an interesting kind of case study to go through and, and update and see what everything's kind of going on. Um, but the Deshaun Watson news is, is continuing to, to, to perk up. And right now it looks like it's a three-team race with the Cleveland Browns out and all three reside in the NFC South. So Atlanta was a dark horse, but they got to meet with him in person. They were the only team that got a chance to meet with Deshaun in person. He's from Atlanta. He's from the Georgia era uh, area. And the Falcons have been kind of upfront about the Matt Ryan situation and saying like, Hey, you know what? We will try to move Matt Ryan if we have to. And we will eventually see what ends up happening there. But it feels like Atlanta is the front runner. He's met twice with new Orleans and he's also met with Carolina. The, Speculation is that he will make a decision here in the next 24 hours. So this might be a little dated by the time you're listening to it now, but it's an interesting one to kind of follow and monitor here because, I mean, all legal stuff aside, civil case stuff aside with Deshaun, there wouldn't be a bigger move. It's bigger than Russell Wilson. It's bigger than Carson Wentz, obviously. It's bigger than any other move that we would have outside of Tom Brady coming out of retirement and Aaron Rodgers deciding to come back and not want to change team. So like Deshaun Watson at his age, his production that we've seen already, um, that's a big deal. The fact that he is out on the open market, technically not open. Uh, it's a trade market, but I'm, I'm very curious to see where it goes. And I'm also curious to see what we end up hearing from the league, because if he ends up being cleared in all 22 of those civil cases, it's impossible for the NFL to suspend him anything. And until they find a way to do, I mean, they can always put him on the commissioner's exempt list if, you know, that's not cleared up by the time we hit week one. But I think there's a really good chance if, if Deshaun Watson's cleared of everything, he won't get a suspension because at that point, what are you suspending him for? And he'll definitely appeal it, but, uh, we'll see if the NFL has, has learned from the deflate gate stuff, which uh, there's been some interesting little, you know, rumblings that have come out about that. Uh, the, the deflate gate going back uh, some interesting stories as time obviously moves on. Uh, we always get a little bit more uh, juice. Also uh, another just fun little wrinkle uh, Julio Jones got released. Uh, not sure I would have expected that, but if you just look at it on its, on its surface, it, it's kind of amazing. It hadn't happened yet. So uh, that trade <laughs> didn't work out great for the Tennessee Titans, but you know what? It was a risk. It was a gamble. And if it had been like Odell to the Rams, it would have been a much 
much bigger deal. Um, all right, let's hop over and let's talk about the NFL uh, draft. So um, we'll go in here. Todd McShay, most recent draft uh, was March 9th. Uh, and right off the bat, um, oh, um, breaking news. And although I was supposed to be solo on this pod, one Scott Miller, well, had hopped up. He left. He sent me a message saying Devontae Adams traded to the Raiders. Uh, this would be some massive breaking news if this is true. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't really follow or, uh, or watch my, uh, my phone when I, when I do this, but um, I do usually have Twitter up. And yes, wow, as of three minutes ago, Pro Bowl wide receiver Devontae Adams to the Las Vegas Raiders for two prime 2022 picks. So picks this year. Wow. Um, okay. The rich are getting richer. <sighs> That's funny. Scotty literally hopped on the Zoom just to send me that and then left. I thought he was going to come on and talk. He knows I don't have my phone on me. Um, yeah. Devontae Adams going to the Raiders. This is crazy because Aaron Rodgers came back in part because they franchise tagged Devontae Adams. So on what planet would they think they could trade Devontae Adams and not piss off Aaron Rodgers? I mean, going back to what we the whole open and, and trashing. I mean, get out of your own way, Green Bay. It's a, a twenty Raiders twenty twenty two first round pick, and uh, I'm guessing maybe a second or a third from the Raiders in this year's draft. So you're getting prime prime draft picks, but I mean, you just went through all that trouble, art fighting and art, you know with Aaron Rodgers publicly and behind closed doors to try to get a deal done with Aaron Rodgers, well, you get him to come back and the best receiver he's ever had in his career. You're getting on a relatively decent short-term option with the sat with the franchise tag, considering his production over the last three, four years with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, are we talking in a world where Alan Lazard, I mean, I saw they they're bringing back Randall Cobb too. Are we talking about a world where Alan Lazard and Valdez Scantling are Green Bay's number one and number two wide receivers? This is crazy. I, I mean, I'm all like, if Aaron Rodgers left or retired or didn't want to come back, then it's a fucking fire sale and you let it go. The only thing I can think of here is, A, are they intending on keeping Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay now? Because what's the point of having Aaron Rodgers back if you're not you're not going to keep Devontae Adams in the prime of his career? Who, no offense to Cooper Cup, I think Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in football. And yes, I know that's contradictory to everything we've talked about Cooper Cup. And I think they're one A, one B. You could flip flop them, but we're talking about one of the best two wide receivers in football with a guy in Aaron Rodgers who's only going to be playing for a handful of more years. This is. This is a, a, a head scratcher. This 
this is a head scratcher. Um, so Devontae Adams is a Las Vegas Raider. Now, the AFC West, I mean, the Raiders with Devontae Adams is makes them just another step better, right? Like they're just a, a little bit, a little bit, they're a lot better, but it, it puts them in another category and another echelon to be able to compete offensively. I mean, thinking about how well he was able to throw the ball with, you know, Deshaun Jackson and Zay Jones. Um, now we're going to have Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Those are three really good pass catching options. You have a pretty good offensive line. You got Josh McDaniels, a great offensive head coach. Derek Carr coming off statistically one of his best seasons in the NFL. Got good running game. And, you know, hopefully they invest in the defensive side of the ball a little bit here too. But, whew, I mean, the offense is alone. I mean, Derek Carr with Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, it, it, that elevates what he can do significantly. So considering that you're elevating Derek Carr to that, and now you're going to have Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes, the AFC West is about to get fucking weird. And I, I cannot wait. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Devontae Adams to the Packers or to the Raiders from the Packers. Packers getting two picks, including the Raiders 2022 first rounders. Uh, both draft picks are supposed to be uh, in the 2022, and they're both supposed to be good draft picks. So I'm guessing we're talking about a first and a third or a first and a second for one of the best players offensive players in the nfl uh, this is going to this is going to have ripple effects aaron Rodgers is unless he was involved in this decision which we don't know yet and and maybe um maybe we will find out more but wow this is this is a, an absolute head-scratcher. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you have to be furious. Rodgers' contract is signed. There is no out now. So either the Green Bay Packers just completely did Aaron Rodgers dirty or Aaron Rodgers was somehow involved in this decision, which would make no sense at all. Um, this is, like I said, this is going to have ripple effects. I don't know what they are. We don't know all the details. We don't know what's the story behind this, but this will absolutely have ripple effects to – I think the overall chemistry and, and, and dynamic of the Green Bay Packers. This makes no sense. And I'm going to sit on it, and next week we'll bring it in uh, and we'll break it down more. But, wow, that is, that is surprising. Um, well, uh, I was going to hit some stuff here on the draft, too, while we were still talking NFL. Um, but you know what? We're going to save that for next week, too. We're going to save that for next week. We are in the heart of basketball tournament, which means basketball is on the mind. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap up the pod talking a little uh, NBA, um, just a little bit of where we are uh, now that we're about a month removed from the trade deadline. And we've seen a little bit more of some of these teams, including my Sixers. Um, you're starting to see a better, a bigger picture, including some teams that are really getting hot at the right time. So uh, hang tight. We'll come back. Talk a little NBA while we wrap up the pod and, uh, and get you guys on your way to the weekend. We are nearing the end here of the NBA regular season. And the Eastern Conference still feels as close 
Uh, it's 10 games separate team one from the eighth seed, which is the Brooklyn Nets, who are surging and playing really good basketball, especially when Kyrie Irving is in the lineup. So uh, the West, not quite as much, but there is some noise and there are some teams that are really starting to make headway in the Western Conference as well. So I figured now would be a good time. Hey, let's run through, talk about some of the stuff here that uh, I think is most pressing. Now, the most pressing thing was last week's game between the Brooklyn Nets and the 76ers. And there's no question how terrible of an uh, optically that looked for Sixers fans, right? You got absolutely blown off the court by the Brooklyn Nets, not even remotely close. The energy was terrible. Embiid was relying on getting the free throw on, was drawing fouls instead of taking open looks, open threes, open elbow jumpers, working in the post. He was just trying to get fouled. They got smacked in the absolute mouth by the Brooklyn Nets. And that's why the Brooklyn Nets are still the betting favorite to win the title. Kevin Durant is a fucking killer, man. That dude is an assassin. When he's healthy, if he doesn't get hurt, he's the MVP of the season. And there's no, there would be zero debate about it. He missed a huge chunk of the season, but that huge shot last night he hit against Dallas to, to put them up before Dallas came back and hit a game winner at the buzzer. I mean, that is the kind of king shit, man, that you just there's no one else in the league that can do it at seven foot one. And he can say he's 6'11", all he's one. No, he's seven one, man. And he shoots above his head and he can stop on a dime and pull up from anywhere and just bury your soul. There's no one more terrifying for your team to play against than Kevin Durant. No one. Zip, zero, zilch, nada. Kevin Durant is, for my money, the best player in the NBA. Well, maybe I can rephrase and say there's nobody I would want going into the playoffs more than Kevin Durant. I know what Jokic has done is amazing. I know what Embiid's done is amazing. Let's not forget that Giannis is having his best season of his career statistically. And not raw, not, not just in raw numbers, right? We're talking about the advanced metrics. The efficiency numbers on him are off the charts. And you got Jokic who might just average, you know, 35 and, and, and 10 and 10 or 10 and 10 small. I mean, Jokic is that guy who, you know, what everyone thought Russell Westbrook was when he averaged a triple-double, they're like, oh, my God, look how good he is. No, Jokic is actually that good. And look at the guys he's playing with and look how he's elevated them around him. Jokic is an absolute monster. Um, but the Sixers with Embiid and how good – I know how amazing Embiid's been this year, and he's been incredible, and I love watching him. He's probably third in the MVP right now, and that's eh, – probably second i don't know it goes back and forth but that's again it's a product of how awesome how many awesome players there are in the nba as we sit here right now at this point in the season and to look at the eastern conference where you got miami at one milwaukee two philly three boston all the way up to four chicago five cleveland six toronto seven eight is brooklyn i believe that any of those teams could beat another one of those teams in a playoff series and i wouldn't be totally shocked cleveland and toronto a little bit more but if Chicago won a series in a 4-5 matchup against Boston, I wouldn't be shocked. Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. Now, if I'm Philly, I'm praying that we get Cleveland or Toronto or Chicago in round one just because of injuries and because of matchup and that kind of stuff. But Brooklyn's going to keep surging up. And, again, Brooklyn has the eight seed is technically in the playing tournament right now. But 
I would think they would find a way to make the playoffs. And if they are, you don't want to face Kyrie and KD. You don't. And eventually Kyrie's probably going to be allowed to play. Maybe not, but chances are they probably, he probably will. And that team becomes the best team in the NBA. I'm sorry. It does. And I can't stand Kyrie. I really, really can't. And I get annoyed when my team's playing Kevin Durant, but I love watching Kevin Durant play basketball. But you're so focused. It gets crazy to me that arguably the most efficient three-point shooter in the league, who is Seth Curry, not Steph, Seth Curry, is getting wide-open looks whenever he wants in Brooklyn. He might be a liability on the defensive end. And I'll be curious how the running gun when KD and Kyrie play together looks when they got to slow it down in the offseason or in the, in the postseason. But the amount of open looks they can get, the fact that Drummond's playing good, the fact that Nick Claxton's playing good big, you have KD at his height and length, which I'm not saying he can, you know, man up and beat in the post, but, you know, at least at his size, he can at least, and his length, I mean, he can flush your shots. The Nets are the best team of basketball. When they're, when they're all out there, they just are. You will give me Phoenix, maybe, but Chris Paul, you know, he's getting some really great rest right now, which is actually kind of amazing for Phoenix because hopefully he comes back in time for the first round of the playoffs. And then you're getting a, a Chris Paul who's got two months of rest and, and giving him the opportunity to rejuvenate his body. It's special what, but you know, what they could be, but Brooklyn with those two guys, there's not, there's not a better twosome in the league. There's just not, I, I wish Embiid and Harden could be that way, but Embiid and Harden are going to be a problem together. Harden is going to be a problem. I mean, he turtled. Like we, we, we make fun of Ben Simmons for what happened that Atlanta series and what we've seen from him in the playoffs. Now, we've seen Harden hit big shots in the playoffs. We've seen him have monster games. But in elimination games, holy cow, is he bad, historically speaking. And if you go through and look at the last game he played in every season, when the game's on the line, when they're about to get eliminated, Harden is awful. And you could see it on his face. This is one of the best ball handlers, one of the best distributors of the basketball in the entire league. And Kyrie and Seth Curry and KD were looked like they were Dennis Rodman, like they were Isaiah Thomas, like some of the best defensive players in the league against this guy. I mean, Harden was coughing the ball up left and right. And I'm not trying to overreact and say, oh, you know, there's no, no, there is a chance. There's a chance. But what we learned and what we said forever is let's get and be the, a Damian Lillard, a guy who can take that shot at the end of the game that can win a game for us. I think what we've learned is when it matters most, it has to be Embiid. It, it can't be James Harden. Regular season, sure. Early playoff round, when they're up 2-1 in a series, sure. But if you're playing Brooklyn or Boston or Miami or Milwaukee in the playoffs, James Harden's given us zero proof that he'll do anything other than crater. And I hope that's not true. I hope he's able to find a way to, 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 to overcome this narrative, you know, that word we always overuse in sports. I hope, genuinely, I don't have any faith that that's going to happen. None. And 
you look at the Eastern Conference right now, Milwaukee's playing good at the right time. Boston's playing outrageous right now. Miami just consistently winning games. They're 46 and 24. They would be third in the West. But again, the East has been that much better. So they eat each other a little bit. Then you look at Brooklyn, too, and Philly. I mean, I, I see six teams, five teams that could make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals and run to the NBA Finals. But does anybody beat a fully healthy Phoenix team? No, I don't think they do. Memphis, never been there before, never played in, you know, they have one playoff game win in, in this John Morant in this modern era, and that was game one in the first round against uh, Utah last year. So, no, I, I don't think you can rely on Memphis, but Memphis could, could make a run to the Western Conference Finals. Steph Curry sprained a ligament in his ankle and his foot last night. That's going to drop Golden State, which sucks because they finally got Draymond back, and we thought, all right, we're finally going to see Golden State all together. Clay, Draymond, Steph on the court together, together at last, and it lasted 11 minutes. 11 minutes. That's all Clay, Draymond, and Steph have played together this season. 11 minutes. And hopefully the injury for Steph is just a couple-week thing and they're able to bounce back, but it's worrisome. Utah, I don't think they're a real player, but then we get to the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks who are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. The Dallas Mavericks who have Luka Doncic playing as well, if not better, than everybody else in the entire NBA. Luka Doncic has hit another level and the hope is that hey maybe don't come into the season out of shape and fat and then we don't have to worry about this point in the year being a five seed and then having to go on a crazy run for us to even get a chance there but they beat brooklyn last night on a buzzer beater it was brooklyn without Kyrie, and luca just continues to dazzle and impress and blow people's minds he is at any given moment can be the best player in the world. I, I love watching Luca play. And a lot of people may not, but I, I think Luca is a special, special player, man. Really, really special. Um, and then the rest of the West you look at, I mean, Denver, Jokic is just carrying this team right now and no help around him whatsoever. Maybe Michael Porter Jr. gets back. Maybe Jamal Murray gets back. But this feels like it's going to be a lost season for the Denver Nuggets. I hope it's not. But even if they get Jamal Murray back today, tomorrow, it's not enough time for him to get to the version of Jamal Murray that we saw dropping 50 pieces against Donovan Mitchell in the bubble. We're not, we're not getting that Jamal Murray, not yet. But Michael Porter Jr., with all of his back issues, and considering you just gave him a long-term extension that kicks in next year, you better make sure his body is absolutely right before you let him step onto a court. And I think as we've seen the like, oh, he's he's had some mild contact at practice, you know, like that slowly easing him back thing, him back in thing is a way to kind of appease the fans, give the fans hope that, hey, maybe, maybe he'll be back this year. But I don't think we see Michael Porter Jr. for the rest of the season either, which means in the West, you're looking at Phoenix, maybe one of those special type runs from Memphis where you're like, is Memphis really going to make it to the NBA final? Um, Golden State, if Steph comes back healthy, but even still, Clay doesn't look 100% back. He's getting – I mean, he was getting targeted the other night when I was watching him where they were like, we're going to attack Clay Thompson defensively. We're going to switch so that we get Clay, And that's 
not to say that Clay will never be a good defensive player again, but he's probably never going to be that level that he was, the guy who would man up LeBron. You know, he's I don't think Clay can be that guy anymore. But it also shows you how long he's been away from the game and how hard it is to play defense in the NBA. So Golden State, I, I don't think they have a realistic shot at the title. Uh, Utah, no shot. And then Dallas is the only one that you go maybe. I think if I was going to list the teams that I think have the best shot to make the NBA Finals from the West, I would say Phoenix, Memphis, and then Dallas. And Dallas is only three and a half games behind Golden State right now and only four and a half behind Memphis. There's still enough games left that if they made a little bit of a run and Golden State slips a little bit here with Steph being hurt, don't be shocked if the Dallas Mavericks end up as the three seed in the Western Conference. A lot more wide open than the West. The East is just a madhouse, and the playoffs are going to be absolutely insane. And there's going to be storylines and drama and yelling and screaming and choke jobs and hopefully buzzer beaters and unbelievable finishes. Uh, and a whole bunch of contrasts and styles of play, too, which just gets me that much more excited. So uh, that's the latest since we've talked NBA basketball on this pod. Um, the only real constant is the fact that the Los Angeles Lakers suck. They fucking suck. And everyone's Russ, Russell Westbrook. Oh, poor Russ. Bite me. This whole thing of Russ wanting to be a sympathetic figure after his entire career, he looked down on the media. He looked down on the fans. Nothing was ever good. Big, bad, tough Russell Westbrook. Nothing. I'm, I'm a machine. I'm not a human. I don't have any feelings. You can say whatever you want. I'm a big, tough guy. And now, now, now you're a human. Dude, you've been a human this whole time. And part of the reason why I've never been able to stand you as a player is because you've tried to act tougher than everybody else. It's because you try to act like shit doesn't bother you when it clearly does. And then you let it affect your decision-making. And then you have zero self-awareness to be like, hey, I'm actively hurting my team again and again and again and again and again. And that's why you're never going, that's why he's never going to win, ever. He's not a winning player. Never has been. Sure as shit never will be. I got zero sympathy for Russell Westbrook. Death threat, shit like that, that's fucked up. You're crossing a line, whatever. That I do have all the sympathy in the world for. But you're going to be mad. You're going to pull a John Proctor on us, really, Russ? You play, you're an L.A. guy, first of all. You grew up a Lakers fan. You know how that fan base is. And you know you're going to get shit when you don't play well. And then, hey, you're not playing well. Well, hey, maybe try something else. Nah, I'm just going to keep doing me. Just going to keep doing me. Said that multiple times this year. You think maybe you want to try something else? Just no, nah, I'm just going to keep being me. Well, being you is being Russell Westbrook and continuing to miss shots. So miss me with this, my family's name. It's my mom and dad's name. If I was an NBA player and I sucked or a baseball, if I sucked at anything and they called me Jeff Pimple, hell, I probably got called that in fucking elementary school anyway. It's, it's a name, dude. And you suck at what you do right now. So here's an idea. Stop actively hurting your team. Make your team better. And just go play basketball the right way. Stop being so selfish all the time. And then complain when people criticize you for being selfish. And like, if, if he was facing unfair criticisms, then yeah, I would have sympathy. 
But if you won't acknowledge that what you're what you're doing is actively hurting your team, if you won't acknowledge that the criticisms that you are getting are valid and real, then I have no problem. I got no problem with people criticizing you, Russ. None. And you've helped successfully tank another season. And LeBron, LeBron feels like a car in first gear that is just rend- like I feel like something's going to break because he's chasing this scoring record. And he wants to get past Kareem. And you know why LeBron's focused on that? Because he knows they're not winning anything this year. So LeBron changes the narrative subtly and over time. But now it's, we're not going to go out and win a championship. And now it's, hey, hey, talk to us again. Talk to us when, in the spring when we're competing for a championship, like you said before, right? Oh, we're too old? Oh, keep that same energy, right? That's what LeBron tweeted out, right? When he was getting backlash because Russell Westbrook wasn't going to work out and Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard and all these signings from Trevor Ariza, that was all when he said, because he knew all that was going to work, keep that same energy. Here's that same energy, LeBron. You were wrong. So how about instead of, making this final stretch about you how about again like your buddy russ take some accountability bro you were wrong you made the wrong bet and you thought you were smarter than everybody and you thought that if russell westbrook was ever going to bow down to somebody it would be the great it would be the great one the kid from akron guess what dude wasn't it wasn't and now to salvage that and to distract everybody from what you said to keep that same energy I'm still keeping it, LeBron, and I'm sure there are tons out there who still are. We're keeping that same energy. How about you keep that same energy? Hmm? Instead of changing it to be, hey, well, LeBron's about to break the scoring record, so let's make sure we, we cater to LeBron. Fight me. That being said, it's pretty sick. LeBron's awesome. LeBron is an amazing basketball player. And um, even though I, he pisses me off sometimes with some of the stuff he says and some of the arrogance and the lack of accountability, which we've been over on this pod, uh, you respect greatness. The reason I'm harsh on Russell Westbrook for the same stuff is because Russell Westbrook isn't great. He's not. I think it's ridiculous he was in this top 75 team. But I get it. Numbers don't lie. And he put up empty stats on bad teams for a long time. And they manufactured stuff. But The point is, is I have respect for LeBron that I don't have for Russell Westbrook. Because at least LeBron has looked at himself and said, "What? I'm sucking right now. I lost this finals to the Spurs in 2007. I lost that. Now what am I going to do? He looked at himself. He said, I wasn't, I might be athletic enough. First year in Miami when they lost to San Antonio. I might be athletic enough. I might be good enough to dominate. But I choked in the playoffs. What do I got to do? I got to get better talent around me. I got to start playing in the post. He never had a post game until he went to Miami. He developed a post game. He had self-awareness. He knew what he needed to do to become as great as we hold him to right now. And he's won three championships, four championships, sorry. One in Cleveland, two in Miami, one in L.A. First player to win three, three championships for three different teams, and he was the best player on all three. Not going to criticize him that, but I have the respect for LeBron because at least he's shown a willingness to adapt over his career, even though the same shit, that lack of accountability stuff that we hear from him publicly still pisses me off. I can respect somebody who's at least been willing to adapt and change. 
I can't respect somebody who does the same thing time after time after time, gets mad because the results aren't changing, blames everybody else, talks down to the people around him. And then now after a decade and a half of this, now he wants sympathy from the people that he scorned and the people he turned away and from the people that he cost opportunities to to win a championship because he couldn't accept a smaller role. Fuck right off, Russell Westbrook. I wasn't even planning on ranting about Russell Westbrook. That was all off the cuff because, goddamn, that dude drives me nuts. All right, that's all we got. Like I said, short, sweet, that's the pod with a little bit of breaking news in there too. Uh, As we stand right now, tons of upsets in the NCAA tournament. And we got second half of Kentucky and uh, St. Paul University kicking off here. Uh, And uh, we'll see where it leads us. So enjoy the madness. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will talk to you guys on Tuesday. Take it easy, everybody.